Tech. Episode 5. The Essentials of Prototyping. Welcome to Cutting Through Tech, the podcast all about technical strategy for women leaders today. I'm Maxime, I'm a technical coach, software engineer and designer, and in this season I've been walking you through all the fundamentals if you're looking to create any tech in your business today. In this season, we've been delving deep into the foundations of what process to follow and what steps to take if you're looking to create an app, a website or any other technical asset in your business. Because what I've often seen happen is that many people get really excited when they've got an idea and delve straight into what I consider execution. So they find an engineer and they get whatever technical thing made because they're focused on the how, how to make it a reality rather than what exactly it should be. So in the previous episode, we looked into validation. As you've gone through a few steps where you become more clear about what you're building, why and for whom, eventually you want to start testing these ideas out with the market. So you get in touch with your customers and you start doing solid user research to validate the set of hypotheses or ideas that you've got about the product that you're bringing to the market. Now in this episode, we'll be taking it a step further and looking into prototyping, where you're literally going to mock up or sketch up what this product might actually look like and then get people's feedback on it. Let's get started. Why would you even be looking to create these prototypes? Now, as you start to get more clear on what exactly the unique value proposition is of the product that you're looking to build, it also starts to become important what shape or form it tends to take when it turns into a technical product. If you've done proper research with your users, you will know whether it needs to be an app or a website, whether it might need to be an iOS app or an Android app, whether it's something people would use on the go or at home and so forth. If you're wondering how to map all of that out, do check out episode three, where we delve into customers and customer behavior. But at some point you will have done that research. And now you're at a stage where basically the focus starts to become the technical product in itself. At the end of the day, features are quite expensive to build. So not only do you want to cut out any potential issues by not building on the wrong platform, like I said, mobile versus web or other such big decisions, because if you can work that out up front, that helps. But also now you want to make sure that whatever flows you know that your users are going to go through, that they are optimized to the best that they can be before you start bringing in the big guns, which are your development teams, if you will. Previously, we had the example of a product or service where you basically can book last minute workout classes and say that throughout your user research, you've really managed to nail down that this is a service for people who are working, who are looking to squeeze in a last minute workout that they hadn't initially planned for. Um, So either during lunchtime or early in the morning on the way to work or after work because, I don't know, maybe their plans got cancelled or something like that. So it's a very um, spontaneous and fairly ad hoc service as opposed to a service for someone who might sit down on a Sunday and plan their entire week out and have these workouts scheduled a long time in advance. Great. That's the kind of stuff you can get to when it comes to user research. But now that you are honing in 
on what shape and form this product is taking, there's a whole new set of concepts that you would be looking to validate. These are what we consider flows or journeys that users go on. So now we are moving slowly away from the concept of the customer, who is someone who is interested in the value prop and might exchange money for it, to the concept of a user. At this point, they are using your service or app or product, and they need to be able to achieve whatever it is that your app promises to them. So in the very basic case of something like Amazon, for example, they need to be able to search for a product and purchase it. So similarly with the actual example that we were looking at, a user needs to be able to find a workout within a certain set of parameters like time, location, and so forth. A user then needs to be able to book that workout. The user then needs to have some kind of confirmation that they know that this is happening and where to go next, etc., etc. Now, these are features, like for example, the user needs to get a confirmation. However, the process of someone going through those different steps is considered a workflow or a journey. Now, here is where prototyping and user testing becomes critical because if you lose them, on that journey, for example, you've confused them or the next step isn't immediately obvious or they can't find a way forward, then effectively they are not able to complete that journey and hence you no longer have a customer. And that's where user experience and usability becomes incredibly crucial to a successful product. So you've done your customer research, you've honed in on what exactly it is that you're making, and now you're becoming extremely clear around what this journey, what this flow for the user should be. So what are some common flows that you might want to prototype or sketch out? Now, of course, that depends completely on what you're making. But nowadays, there's actually a few flows that are pretty key to most technical products, right? And the first one that comes to mind is sign up, login and onboarding. They fall roughly within the same bracket. This is the process where someone either logs in because they're returning. This is more of a thing on websites than it is on apps because usually when you're on an app, you tend to continue to stay in a logged in state. And the other more key one is sign up. Sign up is where you greet a user for the first time and ideally convert them into a a member or hopefully a repeating user. Uh, You take some sensitive information from them, like their email address and a potential password. So it's quite key to get all of that right. And then oftentimes you move into the phase of onboarding. Onboarding is where you greet the new user and show them what they can expect from your service and how to use it. You don't want to bombard them with a help manual (laughs) and you don't quite want Clippy, although actually a lot of Clippy designs in a fun way have made a comeback. You can often find a little assistant somewhere, but really you want to do the bare minimum so that they can get started without overwhelming them on the first go. You want to find a balance between literally putting them into the experience and saying, you figure it out yourself versus handholding them all the way and making them do everything on the first go. So usually there's a middle ground there somewhere. If we're thinking about this workout booking example, you might say, let's try and book your first workout. And you guide them through how to find something, um, find them a class for today, for example. And that's that. Now, you don't necessarily have to design the full, full flows, right? 
that's what a design team is for. And ideally, you wouldn't just be working with developers eventually, you would also have a design team who would pay a lot of attention and detail to this kind of stuff because it is really key to get right. Uh, as well as do further user testing and validation. However, it's so helpful testing this kind of stuff up front so you can really see which are the key flows. Where do you need to pay extra attention to make sure that they are right? Which flows are core to your product or service um, rather than extra fun or extracurricular? Because I think oftentimes we get very excited about ideas and before you know it, you have a heap of features that you're looking to implement that sound way more exciting than the boring stuff like, we need to make sure that sign up works properly. But what you'll find is that actually those are the key and crucial flows to get right rather than the fun, exciting, quirky stuff. And so going into a development or a design process, you know what to prioritize and where your money is best spent. We looked at onboarding, but there are a few other key flows to keep in mind. Search in general is always helpful. Most apps, services, websites, and so forth have some element of search. Even when you think of a companion app, like um, I've talked about Peloton before, they've got a companion app that has those workouts. So even though they sell a exercise bike, there's this other app, right? You need to be able to find a workout there. In our example, we're discussing today as well. It's important that people are able to find the class that they're looking for. If they can't find anything that interests them, then they're not going to book anything. And then you've basically lost them. The other flow, essentials anything of prototyping, booking, um, checkout, purchasing, and so forth. So Amazon, you need to be able to put something into a basket and then pay. You need to enter shipping details and so forth. In the case of the workout booking app, you wouldn't need to enter any shipping information, but you would still have some kind of checkout process where you actually complete your booking. Even if you don't have a concrete, physical, or real-world tangible item that you are buying effectively, whether that is a class or a product, you might still be selling memberships or upgrades. For example, services like Spotify and so forth sell memberships. You can either go premium or you can expand the set of features available to you in an app by paying a certain amount per month, per year, and so forth similar to services like Calm and Headspace for meditation, yoga apps, and more. Whatever your avenue is, you want to test the flow of the upgrade, booking, scheduling, purchasing, or whatever flow it is. And that's not that hard to do. So this gives you a picture of a few core flows that you might want to have a look at as you start to think about what they could be for your product. Step two, now that you've got some core flows, is to actually put pen to paper, literally. So this is the concept of paper prototyping. Prototyping doesn't always need to require code. And the easiest way to get started is actually making sketches. So these sketches are wireframes of the different elements on a screen that people would interact with. These could be buttons, images, bits of text, and navigational elements. What becomes key in this process is that you distinguish your unique ideas and features from elements that are pretty common in these experiences all the time. Effectively, you're not looking to reinvent the wheel. You don't need a new shopping basket or new way to enter credit card details or any of that kind of stuff. So what elements are standard for such a flow? and can you keep 
and what bits are unique to your product. Once you get a hang of that, you can actually start looking at other apps and services to see where is the login button usually placed? Where is the account icon usually? What steps are often involved in checkout? When searching for an item, what kind of information do I fill in? What filter options do I get? Can I sort or not? Is that actually necessary for my particular product? These are all really interesting questions to have as you start comparing what people are used to. Because not only do you want to not reinvent the wheel, having a look at the landscape in general is actually really helpful because it gives a certain element of consistency to the user. When people are switching between services and sites, there is still an amount of similarity that people have come to expect. You know where the scroll bar is going to be. Oftentimes, you know where the login button is going to be. You know what to expect from a purchase flow. So whilst you want to not necessarily recreate something that already exists, and of course you want a unique design, it is also important to keep certain key scaffolding in place such that people don't have to relearn how to use your product or service. This is exactly the kind of feedback that you'll find as you start prototyping and testing with users. And this is the feedback that is incredibly helpful before you start prioritizing which flows need thorough designing, which flows to develop first, and what becomes a comprehensive set of features that will define your initial version of your product. Now, I will admit, we have actually gone fairly granular on the concept of prototyping. The reason I bring it up is because often people feel like they need a fully working product before they can even start to think about these things or answer these types of questions. And really, that's not true. You can do it on paper. Uh, you can use a lot of different services nowadays to just click and drag different elements. Proto.io comes to mind, and there are a few more that I will link in the show notes. But really, you don't have to wait a year <laughs> before you can start doing this kind of stuff. Now, if at all possible, I would highly recommend though to hire a UX designer. UX stands for user experience. And these are designers that are solely focused on the types of problems that I discussed today. What should a good journey or flow look like for a user? What options and choices are they faced with? What obstacles do they need to overcome to get to the end of the journey? And so on. They also tend to be able to quickly iterate and use customer feedback to quickly get to a solid design. Part of the output of their work will be the type of blueprint and outline that developers tend to use to then turn into a genuine real product. And again, whilst designing a good flow takes time, this is faster than doing it all in code. So there is user research you can do up front then there are quick flows and sketches that maybe someone in your team that you already have on board can validate with customers where they go another level deeper on the design but still have a certain level of speed when it comes to validation. And then eventually you end up with a full spec that goes to development and then that often gets tested and fine-tuned as well. But at that stage, you should be a lot more clear on what it is that you're looking to create than you may have been at the beginning of the whole process, which makes sense. That's kind of what this entire process is like. So that was a quick overview of prototyping. Another 
part of the process and another tool at your disposal to get a little bit more clear on the technical asset that you are building. While it may seem a fairly detailed process, it is really worth your time because now we're getting to the point where you might not be directing or steering the ship in quite the same way in terms of you're the one going out talking to customers or you're the one doing the research and getting the feedback. But the outcome of these tests are still incredibly important to keep an eye out on because this effectively is dictating what parts you're choosing to invest in and which not. The only way to decide that really is to get this input from your future users. We're starting to reach the point where you might want to start outsourcing more and more of this kind of work. But as I mentioned at the beginning of the series, you'd still want to direct and lead. And because effectively you are choosing to invest in certain aspects of this, this product or technical asset you're creating, that's why the feedback or outcome of this process can be so incredibly useful. Now you have a much better idea of which parts to invest in going forward. Not to mention it becomes quite exciting for your project to start taking an actual shape or form. Seeing things in the scope of text boxes, images and buttons can make things seem really real. And they are. In the next episode, we're looking at taking this entire process of doing customer research and prototyping and doing this again and again and again. Now, before you think that is absolutely madness, the process of iteration is one of the most important skills that you and your team can develop going forward. We'll talk a little bit about how you can backtrack all the way from your ultimate vision and you know the goal that you have for say five or 10 years down the line, all the way to why you're iterating and gathering information and statistics right now. So I hope you tune in for that. It's quite possibly one of my favorite episodes out of this entire series, and I hope you enjoy it too. You can find all the resources that I mentioned uh, throughout this episode, such as different websites where you can start prototyping in our show notes, as well as the blog posts that go along with every episode that we create. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you get in touch, let us know, ask us your questions so we can create content um, specifically for you or leave a review on iTunes. Reviews really help us out as we are a fairly new podcast. And equally, if you have any other feedback, just let me know on maxime at cuttingthroughtech.com. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time on the show. Mm-hmm.